Well, good morning. This is the first Sunday of Advent, as our host pastors have already mentioned. So we join hundreds of millions of other Jesus-following people by lighting candles over the next four weeks, celebrating the, uh, the four-part movement of hope, love, joy, and peace. And uh, today we're kind of um, celebrating and putting the focus on hope. We all could use a little bit more hope, which is about a confident expectation about the future. And uh, you should check your email inbox uh, over the next few hours as we have sent out an email invitation for uh, anyone who would be interested in joining us in an Advent reading plan. And it's going to be a wonderful way of um, reading together in community. And last year we had over 100 people join us and we hope we'll have way more than that this year. And it's a wonderful way of preparing our hearts, which is the purpose of Advent. Uh, to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord Jesus, one eye on his first coming with another eye on his second coming. And uh, so we're starting a new series of scripture talks today called Stay Strong as we move through this Advent season. And uh, we want to stay strong with our mind, our spirit, our relationships and our emotions. And so beginning today, we're going to talk about mental toughness. And then next week, we're going to talk about spiritual preparedness. And then Pastor Al will help us with a, a teaching on relational resilience. And then we have Jacob Moon on um, December the 19th at both morning gatherings in person at 9 a.m. and 1030. And uh, we'll talk about emotional awareness. And so all of these are so important conversations around remaining healthy during the Advent season. Um, Christmas is a time for all of us where we experience the joy and the celebration of the season. There are family connections. There are nostalgic moments that come with eggnog and lights and mistletoe. And there are also some challenges that come with Christmas, which includes um, sometimes increased levels of debt and conflict and stress. And there are reminders of our losses and some of the grief of yesterday or yesteryear. And uh, there are sad moments and even sometimes some um, depressed mood experiences that we experience as we walk through the, the Advent season. And so this uh, four-week series um, called Stay Strong is intended to help us uh, with three things, really. The winter months in the Northern Hemisphere actually presents um, something called seasonal affective disorder, where we can struggle with a loss of energy and unfortunately an increased appetite that comes with some weight gain. And uh, there can be a loss of energy and trouble concentrating and depressed moods and an inclination to withdraw socially. And this is called um, seasonal affective disorder. And it's primarily because we have a diminished um, exposure to sunlight. And so um, we just wanna be paying attention to some of these real dynamics as human beings um, so that we can take um, some proactive steps to uh, be aware of what might be coming and also to uh, actively engage so that we can minimize some of these effects in our lives and stay healthy throughout um, the winter months. And then the Christmas blues, they're real. And unfortunately, they come with high divorce rates. Um, the data tells us that in January, um, you know, a family lawyers are busier than ever because people survive the, the holiday season and then they say, I can't do this anymore. And so we want to keep an eye on some of those relational challenges that might emerge as we go through the Christmas season. And uh, we want to make investments in the most important human relationships we have. And I want to encourage husbands and wives to uh, take time for each other and, uh, and take time for family. Um, and then finally, the stress that comes with just simply life's challenges, whether it be work or whether it be our own body's uh, health 
or whether it be our relational challenges or financial um, well-being, all of these dynamics are real. And it doesn't matter if we're studying for exams as we head towards Christmas or there's just increased stress levels as we head towards year end in the workplace. There can be a lot of demands placed on us at this time of the year that have very little to do with the initial reason why we set out to celebrate Advent, which is the first coming of the Lord Jesus with an eye on his soon return. And so as a Jesus following community, we just wanna pay attention and be aware and then uh, posture our hearts and order our lives in such a way that actually helps us become and continue to be the best version of ourselves. So our passage to ponder that we're gonna take with us over the next four weeks as we make an effort to stay strong with the Spirit's help, of course, is uh, taken from uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter one, verses 46 to 55. It's known in some circles as the Magnificat or Mary's song. And uh, this is the human mother of the Lord Jesus. And um, so this will be our passage to ponder. We'll, we'll look at it four times over the next four weeks. And so uh, I'll, I'll read it for us this morning. Uh, this is, these are the words of Mary. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. The word of the Lord. Mary received a wonderful promise and she had the privilege of carrying the promised Messiah and then to be his earthly mother. And uh, what an enormous privilege that was for Mary. And it came with great cost and responsibility as we learn later in the gospel account that there would be a sword that would pierce Mary's heart. And we cannot divorce the Christmas Advent season from Easter, both Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And so Mary knew both um, the privilege of giving birth to the Messiah and also to uh, make friends with the loss and uh, the suffering of her son. And uh, so Jesus was born. And as we understand the full gospel story, he was born to die for the sins of the whole world. So this morning, what we're gonna talk about is this concept of remaining um, mentally strong. And uh, we wanna be the kinds of people who take good care of our minds, mental toughness. Uh, it really matters. And when we read the stories of the Older Testament and the New Testament, we read of great, great saints of the past who had gone through great uh, seasons of adversity. And we don't know all the fine print or the footnotes of their story, so we can only um, assume that they struggled with all sorts of things that are not recorded in Scripture for us. But we do see them come through the other side. And there may have been some incredible battles, even with their own mental health along the way. Uh, but we know that they were people of great resilience and uh, they suffered through seasons of adversity. And so we are not alone in the seasons of our own struggle. And uh, we're not alone either with uh, the footnotes of our lives that sometimes are not known to the rest of the world, but they're real. And, um, and so we want to uh, take good care of ourselves. That would glorify and honor the Lord. And especially through very stressful seasons like the Advent season, we wanna take especially good care of ourselves and others. So um, we're gonna talk this morning, three thoughts for you about the power and the potency of our thoughts and how we can grow our mental strength. So our thoughts, number one, carry power. 
and uh, they carry power under certain conditions. And I'll explain that as we move through this teaching. I'm going to reference a handful of different passages as we move through our, our teaching this morning. But thoughts, they can be powerful. They can be meaningful. They can take the form of the prompting of, a sp of the Spirit. They can be informed by our lower nature, or as the Bible calls, our sinful nature. They can be intrusive on occasion. They can be cultivated. Uh, but they are most influential when we cultivate them and assign meaning to them. Now, I just said a whole lot there. And uh, our, our thoughts are not just simply one-dimensional. There can be a lot of dynamics going on uh, as we um, recognize and sometimes even fail to recognize um, the substance of our thoughts. Uh, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, and this is in the New King James Version, um, how thoughts can actually shape our character. He says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And I guess in our world today, uh, this is not just for men. This is gender inclusive. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they. And it's so true. The thoughts that we entertain, the ones that we pay attention to and we assign meaning to, they actually shape our character. And they have a big impact on the trajectory of our lives. And, and a healthy biblical way of understanding the nature of our thoughts is that we truly can be transformed by the substance of our thinking. Again, Paul mentions this in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, um, he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't just go with the, 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 the flow. He says, instead, be transformed. And how are we transformed? He says, by the renewing of our minds. So actually, what we pay attention to, the thoughts that we cultivate, they have an impact on who we become. Uh, we've recited this before that if we plant a thought, we'll reap an action. If we plant enough actions, we'll reap a character. If we reap a, uh, plant our character, we'll, we'll re eventually reap a destiny. And so these are really um, important ideas that all begin with the thought. And so Jesus invites us as well to love God with our minds. And oftentimes we have conversations around stewardship. And, and really that's a language that talks about management. We're invited to manage God's resources that he entrusts to us. So we have conversations around how to handle money or even our bodies. Um, we have conversations around stewarding this um, sacred space that God has given to us, that the spirit of Jesus resides in as we put our saving faith in Christ. And uh, we don't always talk about stewardship of our minds, though, and of our thoughts. And um, Jesus invites us to love God with the totality of our person. He says in Matthew 22, verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so thoughts really matter. And thoughts shape our character, thoughts shape our future. And we are called to steward our whole person, including our brains and our minds. So thoughts carry power when we assign them meaning. Now, there might be some people, and I know that um, this has been the case for me on occasion, Sometimes you can have what um, psychologists call intrusive thoughts. And these thoughts come from like nowhere. And uh, they sometimes can catch us off guard because of the nature of the thought. And, and sometimes people can carry great guilt around these intrusive thoughts. Uh, we need to understand that thoughts sometimes are just thoughts and they come from a host of different places. Um, as we mentioned earlier, they can come from the spirit of Jesus that helps us think differently or it's like where did that thought come from and it's a beautiful opportunity to go do good in the world and there are other times there might be thoughts that sort of catch us off guard and we wonder where that came from um, when we assign meaning to thoughts that's when thoughts carry power and so there are some times when thoughts come from all sorts of different places and they are simply just thoughts and just like sitting by a, a stream and we watch the water go by us we just simply 
don't assign too much meaning to that thought. Just let it go by you. And if we do that, we won't be bothered by it. There are some people who struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder and they attach meaning to all thoughts. And when that happens, it can be really problematic for people. And so the word of the Lord for us today is to recognize, to pay attention, but to not obsess over our thoughts. We need to expose ourselves to healthy environments where we begin to think good and beautiful thoughts that will help shape a good and beautiful life. And we also need to recognize the source of some of the thoughts that come to us. But when thoughts come that sort of interrupt us, we call them intrusive thoughts. We just let them go. We don't want to pay too much attention to them. I just want to say this as an aside to someone as well who might be struggling with some of these thoughts that come from time to time and they do the math because they had this thought, they think they're a bad person. The reason why you feel so deeply about those intrusive thoughts and maybe even carry some measure of guilt around having them is because you're such a good person who wants to do all the right things with your life that that thought just doesn't fit with who you are and what you value. And so instead of shaming yourself around an intrusive thought, I want to encourage you to actually celebrate the fact that that's an incongruent thought with who you are and recognize that this is part of the good work that God has already done in your life. And we should pay attention to the thoughts that we cultivate. When thought comes and we pay attention to it and we meditate on it, ruminate on it, that's when it starts to form us. It gets a little bit more entrenched in our person. And that's when it can inform us and form us. And, and that's when we kind of move in, um, in the wrong direction. So we need to be aware of that. But thoughts have tremendous power under certain conditions. Number two, our thoughts can lead us away or toward peace. And uh, that is so true. There's a reason we call it peace of mind because our peace and the quality of our thoughts are interconnected and the, um, the meaning we assign those thoughts are interconnected with the level of peace that we have. And so in just a moment, we'll take a look at a passage that we will look at in the new year as well, Philippians chapter four. Um, but before we get there, I wanna read a very honest uh, prayer from David in Psalm 42. He's really brutally honest about how he's feeling and thoughts inform our emotions. And so that's why we need to be careful what meaning we assign to certain thoughts because they do impact our emotions. And then often our decisions are made too as a result of what we've been thinking and how we've been feeling. Listen to David in Psalm 42. He says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He says this, especially on our first week of Advent as we celebrate hope. He says, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. He's recalling, he's using his mind. He's attaching meaning to events from the past. He says, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is, is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Talk about brutal honesty. Why have you forgotten me? He feels that way. Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes haunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The honesty of David's prayer is really, really inspiring. He brings his disappointment, his trouble to God, and he knows who God is with his mind, but his emotions are trying to catch up to what he believes to be true. He brings his full experience of, of life to God in prayer. 
And that is how we engage God. We bring the wonderful, beautiful experiences of life and we bring the not so wonderful and the not so beautiful experiences to God as well. So a couple of thoughts for us as we move through this teaching, experiences prompt thoughts. Uh, David is a real person in a real set of circumstances and he's troubled by them. His thoughts move in two directions, reminded of his troubles, his frailty, and the strength that is held out in God for him. Hope on the first Sunday of Advent is not left for Christmas cards, but to carry in our hearts all year, but especially during this Advent season. Hope is about, as already mentioned, confident expectation that the future can be better than the past and the present. Mary was full of hope as she carried the promised Messiah. And Joseph was a person of hope as he believed the angelic messenger that told him that what Mary was carrying along in herself was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Even though what he saw in the natural realm concerned, concerned him, he believed the message of the angel and hope began to emerge in his heart. The Magi are full of hope as they make the long trek from their home country to Bethlehem to see the Christ child. Hope is at the center of our faith. Hope is at the center of the story of the nativity of the first coming of the Lord Jesus. And if we take a look over our shoulder as we use our capacity to recall and to remember, to attach meaning, as we read the stories of the Older Testament, we attach wonderful meaning to all that God has given to us in his word. I'm reminded of a, a passage, a book in the Bible called Lamentations. And if you're new to the Bible, Lamentations is a five chapter book and it's a, a, a book of poems that are um, laments or um, expressions of grief and loss. And uh, there, there is a sense in which there is um, the people of God reaching for consolation in the middle of a very dark, despairing season in their life. And so uh, Jeremiah writes in the first, I'm gonna read this, 16 verses. The Babylonians have just pillaged Jerusalem. They have uh, torn down the temple, sacred space to the people of God. And uh, Jeremiah is observing all that has happened in the beloved city of Jerusalem. And he writes these words. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction. Listen to the pain. By the rod of the Lord's wrath, he has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Maybe that's been your experience over the last little while. Indeed, as Jeremiah writes, he has turned his hand against me. This is how it feels to the prophet. Again and again, all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. That's how the prophet felt. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he has dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. Could this get any worse for Jeremiah as he writes this, this poem? He drew his bow and made me the target of his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from this quiver. On and on, uh, Jeremiah uses all sorts of different metaphors to describe the pathos of his feelings. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. Sounds pretty dark. Sounds like Jeremiah needs a, a hope candle lit. But then verse 19, he says, I remember. He uses his mind. 
the quality of his thoughts begin to go to a beautiful place. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. He's not going to live in denial. He recognizes and recalls them. And my soul, he says, familiar words, Psalm 42, my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind. This is what I think about now. And therefore, he says, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Advent season is about waiting and anticipating. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What, what a beautiful passage. It starts out so dark. And it's such a terrible time in the history of the people of God. They're mourning, there's grief, there's loss, there's lament, but there's hope. And that's what we need to hold on to as the people of God, that we tie a, a, a firm rope and knot around hope and we hang on. And we speak words and we recall the faithfulness of God. And so it's so true for us that experiences prompt thoughts and the experience of our difficulties prompt thoughts, and then the experience of God's faithfulness prompt thoughts. And then humans build memories, and we have the capacity to self-regulate. We have the capacity to imagine and remember. With imagining can come anxiety because we anticipate the future. And with remembering can come experiences of depression because we get stuck sometimes in yesterday or yesteryear. Mental toughness is not about blocking our memories or not considering the future, but to regulate those thoughts, which requires paying attention to them. And as Jesus following people, to factor God into the present, the past and the future. And so Paul writes again, Philippians four, do not be anxious about anything. He knows that we would be. So he says, listen, I wanna give you a cautionary word here. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in the lamentations experiences of our lives, in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Remember our thoughts can move us away from peace or toward peace. And Paul says here, as we talk with God with a postured heart of gratitude, we actually do uh, ourselves a wonderful service of moving toward peace. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, he's now talking about the qualitative nature of our thoughts. Remember, what we attach meaning to. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We want to be mentally tough. We need to guard the quality of our thoughts. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And here's the second time Paul says this and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So our thoughts can have us move toward peace or away from peace. And finally, one more thought for us today is this. Our thoughts divorced from a God-informed perspective can lead to fear, anxiety, and worry. Um, it's been said before, and I've mentioned to our church family, this is such a helpful thing, because I don't know anybody who can't struggle with some measure of anxiety from time to time. Anxiety is about overestimating the threat that we see on the horizon and underestimating our capacity with the help of God to manage through it. 
And so we overestimate what's on the horizon. We make more of it than we ought to. And then we underestimate our capacity and the God who is strong in us to navigate our way through whatever terrain presents itself to us. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, um, he says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then he gives us this very helpful um, passage. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. He factors God in. Are you not much more valuable than they? If God looks after the birds of the air, is he not going to look after you? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? He says there's really no pragmatic value in being somebody consumed by worry or anxiety. It's a real response to prepare ourselves for a real threat. It's when the threat becomes blown out of proportion or slightly imagined that all of a sudden uh, we, we tend to ruminate uh, on all the concerns, the fears, the worries, and it robs us of peace. So I want to end this teaching this morning with this. Five ways to strengthen our minds. I'll move through them really, really quickly. Here they are. Number one, many of us have a loud inner critic and we need to recall what God thinks of us. Sometimes we chatter away to ourselves in a way that we would never speak to a friend. We can actually be incredibly hard on ourselves. And so we need to remember and remind ourselves what God actually thinks of us. We are the beloved of God. We are sons and daughters. Those of us who put our saving faith in Jesus, we are the children of God. And that is who we are. Uh, secondly, the monkey mind, as some describe it, is very real. Um, we need to let thoughts be thoughts because our brain is computing thoughts so quickly. Uh, we think the hard drives on our computer move quickly. Our brains move at breakneck speeds and thoughts come uh, in, in a rather swift fashion. And we need to just let some of those thoughts just go on their way. We need to pay attention, but some thoughts, we need to just let them go and uh, let the monkey mind be what it is. It'll bounce all over the place. If you've ever tried to be quiet in a chair for 10 minutes and be silent with God or to meditate, you'll know what I mean by the monkey mind. Our mind races all over the place. Sometimes in the middle of the night, our minds can race too. All right, number three, too much noise weakens the mind. We need to turn down the volume. How about this Advent season, we make a renewed commitment to turn down the volume, whether it be the news, the radio, whatever it might be, we just sort of turn it down. And then number four, the way forward requires paying attention with kindness. We need to treat ourselves the way we would treat a good friend. So we need to lead with kindness, even as we think to think about ourselves. And then finally, here's the last one. We need to recover a beautiful, sometimes lost art form of biblical meditation. It strengthens our mind. Here's a homework assignment. Go read Psalm chapter one at least three times and allow the truth of that passage to get into your soul, especially as you head into the Advent season. We are called to meditate on God's word. That leads us to bearing fruit and having a fruitful life. So I'm gonna invite the host pastors to come back. I just wanna offer a quick prayer for you. Father, thank you again today for this very first uh, week of Advent. Thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus. I pray God for all of us that you would help us to pay attention to our thoughts and to uh, move towards peace by uh, paying attention and assigning appropriate meaning and uh, not allowing worry and anxiety and fear to get the upper hand in our lives. But to remember, as we factor God in, we are the beloved of God. And so I pray that you would bless each and every one with peace and grace today and cause us, Lord, to uh, bear much fruit for you and your kingdom. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.